0: It is trying to figure out whether to write it out and wait a couple of months and then get back to what your original plan was or altering your plans and altering your original idea where you saw yourself.
1: Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast dedicated to helping you reinvent your career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and truly enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have decided to step off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and do work that matters. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you understand what it takes to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to share what it's been like for her to resign from her job and move countries right before the coronavirus pandemic hit, and how she's dealing with all the uncertainty she's now facing in her career. Afterwards, I'll discuss how to think about your own career priorities during this uncertain time. Hi, and welcome back to Career Relaunch. Before we get to today's interview, I have to start by saying, I'm recording this on April 22nd, 2020. This show reaches listeners in 158 countries. So on this Earth Day, wherever you are in the world... I hope you're staying safe and remaining as well as possible amid the global coronavirus pandemic this episode was supposed to be sort of a roundup episode featuring some of the highlights from guests on the show last year kind of like a temporary placeholder until i could get back to the show likely in 2021 but then the coronavirus pandemic hit and After checking in with clients over the past couple weeks, what's occurred to me is that now people like you, who are probably witnessing your own career and life plans flipping upside down as we speak due to this pandemic, are now more than ever probably in need of some companionship and inspiration. Both things I hope the conversations on this podcast can provide you. So I've decided to restart the show. I won't be putting out episodes as regularly, but as time allows, I'll try to feature people who I feel are making brave steps in their career, which I hope can help remind you that you're not alone in your professional struggles. For today's show, because this podcast is all about career change, I'm definitely not here to provide any sort of health advice or guidance on how to stay safe. Instead, I want to talk about how to handle the career situation you may find yourself in now where the rug has basically been pulled out from under your professional plans. Today, I'm speaking with Leah Dashkina. Born in Russia, Leah moved to Australia at the age of 15, where she completed her high school and university studies, qualifying as a chartered accountant and a solicitor. In 2010, her job brought her to London, where she spent the last decade working mostly in the finance industry. Then in 2018, having always had a keen interest in the fashion industry, she made the decision to leave her career in banking to join a fashion media startup. Now, after thinking really carefully about who I wanted to feature today, who would be appropriate for the show, given the context that we're in right now, I decided that Leah, who's also a listener to Career Relaunch, would be the right person. At the beginning of this year, she actually resigned from her job in London, then moved back to Australia to be with her partner, while continuing to work remotely for her employer as she completed her 3 months' notice period, which was supposed to wrap up at the end of March. She was planning to explore new career options in Australia. Then the pandemic hit. And that's exactly why I wanted to get Leah on the show. Because a sudden uncertainty and upheaval she's now facing in her career is very similar to other stories I've heard from clients and listeners who have suddenly had job offers rescinded, target companies no longer hiring, projects canceled, roles furloughed, industries going underwater, or businesses completely shutting down. I hope you find this conversation helpful as you figure out how to bounce back from whatever setbacks you may be experiencing in your own career during this global crisis. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net/70. Leah spoke with me from Sydney, Australia. Good morning, Leah. I know it's pretty early over there in Sydney, so really appreciate you making the time to come on to the show.
0: Good morning, Joseph.
1: I'd like to talk with you today about a few different things, including balancing practical career decisions with your true interests, making a big international move for personal reasons right when your life is flowing, and also what it takes to break into a new industry. But first off, I got to say, we're recording this in early April, 2020, and this is actually the first episode I've recorded in a while after taking a break from the show. Right now, the main thing on everyone's mind is this coronavirus, which is very much still a global pandemic at this moment and seems to be just getting worse and worse by the day. I actually just heard a few minutes ago on the news that the global cases of coronavirus have now passed 1 million and have more than doubled just over the past week alone. Here in the UK, we're on a national lockdown. This is clearly affecting every single person out there. So, I was wondering if you could start by painting a picture of your situation there in Sydney, Australia, and exactly what your life has been like the past couple weeks.
0: We are currently in a lockdown in Sydney and trying to adapt to this new reality and the new way of living, I guess. Sydney is not the worst place to be stuck in a lockdown. I think we're a little bit behind the UK and the US in terms of the timing of lockdowns and restrictions. We seem to be about a week behind the UK. So um, it has been an interesting time, obviously, a very anxious time for many people, both from sort of a personal perspective and a professional perspective as well. It's just very similar and everyone seems to be on the same page just taking it day by day and adapting as we go along
1: now i'm gonna try to stick with the typical format i follow on this show so i do want to go back in time just like i normally do and talk about your historical career and your transitions but before we get to that i just want to stick on this topic of the coronavirus for just another moment here one reason why i wanted to have you on the show Leah is because I know you've recently moved back to Australia right before this outbreak happened and you had a certain vision of how things might shape up there. I know you're not a healthcare worker, nor am I, nor are either of us on the front lines of dealing with this pandemic in a way that healthcare workers or delivery drivers or many other people are, but what have you found to be the most challenging part of what's going on at this very moment?
0: I think outside of the obvious personal things, like being away from your family, which I've actually found very difficult because my family are all in Russia still. And even though I have been living away from them for over 20 years now, it is at a time like this that I found it particularly difficult and I feel it very acutely. But in terms of the work situation, I guess, there are two things. One is the Uncertainty with respect to time. So you don't really know how long you are going to be in this situation, how long to plan for, and it makes it very difficult. And secondly, trying to figure out when you are caught out in a state of flux, and especially in a transition period, it is trying to figure out whether to write it out and wait a couple of months and then get back to what your original plan was or to retreat into a safety or of a a more sort of traditional, secure job if it does come along. But that means altering your plans and altering your original idea where you saw yourself in the next 12 to 24 months.
1: Yeah, I totally hear you on all of those things you just mentioned. There's so much in there that I want to unpack and I do want to come back to it. The one that really struck me was what you mentioned at the very beginning about being far away from your family. And I'm also far away from my mother and and my sister. And what I've found most unsettling about this whole situation is, and what makes it, I think different than being far away from your family in other instances is that you can't actually go and see them. If anything were to come up, like if anything were to happen with our parents or, or people we care about, we can't actually go and be there with them. I've just found that to be a really unsettling feeling right now. In addition to all those things you mentioned about not really being able to plan for anything at this moment.
0: And I think that's the general overarching thing I found about this whole coronavirus crisis is that the restriction of movement is just something we're so not used to. We are very used to being in control of most parts of our lives. And this is completely outside of our control. And being told that you cannot go somewhere, being told that you may not see your family for six to 12 months at this point for me, it takes a little while to process and understand. And I don't know if I've actually fully reconciled it in my mind.
1: I would like to come back and talk about your current situation and and the situation right now and how you're handling it. Just a quick snapshot, what exactly are you doing in your career right now before we go back in time and then go through your history?
0: At the moment, I am still working for my London employer. I'm working remotely. It is a fashion media startup, and I was meant to be sort of transitioning, rolling off that job and trying to find my next opportunity here in Sydney, sort of more longer term. That's where I still am.
1: Right. What a time to try to do that too. Uh, So we'll come back to that. Let's go back in time now and talk about your time. I guess this is going to be a little confusing because you you were in Australia before, then you moved to London and then now you're back in Australia. I'd like to go all the way back to the first time you were in Australia. I know you spent the first part of your life in Russia. What led you to initially move to Australia before you came to London?
0: When I moved I was 15 years old. I come from a family where it's sort of a very traditional, rather conservative family in Russia. And one of the big things in our family was always education. And both my mum and dad are very, very keen to give their children a better life than they had and give them better opportunities. So when I was 15, they wanted to send me somewhere to study English Australia seemed like a good idea and I was meant to be here for sort of a year or two just to finish off my high school and then go back to Russia. But moving at such a formative age... It was so difficult for me. It was so challenging to adapt and to take on this new life that when I got to a place of comfort, I didn't want to then uproot myself again. And by that stage, I had formed friendships and sort of applied for university and decided to stay here for a while. And I was here for 10 years before then moving to London.
1: And you studied accounting and law at university there, and then you went on to work in a a big four accounting firm. Is that right?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Okay, so how did you go from being in Australia, working in accounting, to then ending up in London in 2010?
0: Because of the combination of law and commerce that I studied, when I went into the accounting firm, I was allocated into the tax division and I was working in expatriate taxation, which means that we were looking after people who were being sent to work in Australia and Australians who were being sent to work overseas. And Through that, I got an opportunity to myself be an expat and experience what our clients go through and be sent to London for a year to work in our London office. It was something that was being offered on a continuous basis to people at my level. and I jumped at the opportunity because at that stage, I had never been to London.
1: At some point, I know you, you came over here to London, which is where I'm based, and This show is all about transition. So I've got to talk a little bit about your interest in fashion. And at some point, you decided to pursue your interest in fashion. And you mentioned when we spoke before that being in London fueled this. Could you just explain how did you get interested in fashion? And how did you attempt to get into fashion?
0: When I moved to London, I was just so exhilarated by being in a big city, not really knowing anyone and having to make new connections. But I looked at it as a positive, as an exciting opportunity. At the time, it was sort of the rise of blogging and street style, and through the blogosphere, I had connected with someone who was a photographer. And we just became friends. And I started sort of hanging out in that environment and absolutely loved it. And this is before blogging and, and street style became a multi billion pound industry. So I was hanging around there and I started trying to think how can I be in this world? How can I transition into this world, but still doing what I do and being who I am?
1: At that moment, was this something that you felt you would rather do instead of working in finance or accounting? Was that becoming clear to you at this moment?
0: Yes. So I was trying to explore how I could do that and how I can go into that space. So I was sort of casting my neck quite wide and looking at accounting finance but also how I could maybe go via the language route so I spoke russian and I speak russian fluently and that's one of the things that I considered at the time I found an internship with a fashion house in london and I was looking at sales to russian clients to the CIS region at the time
1: I know when we spoke before you mentioned that this initial attempt at transitioning into fashion didn't Actually, end up working out what exactly happened.
0: I was young and naive, and to cut a long story short, I ran out of money. Uh, London is a very expensive place, and I think when you read a lot of the stories and success stories and experiences, people never talk about money. And I hadn't planned properly. I sort of thought I would be lucky and I would find a job, not realizing that the industry is actually very, very difficult to get into, but also very difficult to stay. The competition is very high. And I loved my time working at this particular studio. I made some great friends. I got experience, but I could no longer afford to work in fashion. I basically realized that I had no choice and I had to go back into a more stable job if I wanted to afford my rent and my lifestyle or any lifestyle in London, really.
1: Now, I would be really interested to hear what that was like for you to let go of what you really enjoyed doing and return back to the corporate world. I'm just trying to imagine the dichotomy between those two worlds the fashion industry, very kind of forward thinking, and then more of the traditional corporate world. And I think I recall you you ended up going to Barclays at the time, which is quite an established traditional bank, at least from from the outside looking in.
0: There was kind of two conflicting views. One is I obviously wanted to be closer to the creative world and one of the things that attracted me to fashion in the first place is that the people are so passionate and enthusiastic and creative and going back into the corporate world, it was a bit of a shell shock, but I obviously have the cultural element of my family views and how my family viewed my whole foray into fashion
1: How did they view that?
0: Russian culture is very similar to, I guess, a lot of Eastern cultures in that way, that a serious job is a lawyer, an engineer, or an accountant, or a doctor, and anything outside of that is not a safe and sound career. And I think my parents were very worried about me in terms of, they called it a hobby job. And I think there was a lot of pressure and a lot of not wanting to disappoint your family in that sense. I basically realized at that point that I didn't really have a choice. The the reality has set in in terms of the logistics of living. Yeah, it was disappointing. But also at the time, I thought, you know what? Not everything has to be a success in life. Sometimes it's the experience that really matters. And I was so happy that I actually got to take the leap, experience, find out and not die wondering. I think we're so focused, we're such a results driven society where everything you do needs to become a success or you have to achieve a result. In this case for me, I was actually quite happy that I even I was brave enough to actually step outside of my comfort zone and experience it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it was a moment where you really went for it, which I think is really admirable. And those moments in our lives end up being so rewarding and so memorable in so many ways, and yet you had to make this practical move, which is actually quite a a salient point that I know a lot of people are thinking about right now, balancing your hopes and your dreams with the realities of the environment. So You go back and you work in banking, and you do that for a few years, and then you started to get a bit of an itch. Can you walk me through what triggered that?
0: I spent a few years working very hard and trying to climb the career ladder and do all the things that you're meant to be doing. And I was actually quite good at it and I had a very good experience. After Barclays, I went into a smaller financial services institution in London and that was a really positive experience for me. So I really sort of came into my own in my career and started kicking goals and achieving things and really enjoyed it. But at some point, I think you get to a stage where Just hard work is no longer enough. And to be truly successful, you need to be very invested and interested and engaged in what you are doing. And that was the issue that I was facing, that to take that next step and to really succeed, I had to go all in. I think the timing was interesting because I was in my early 30s, early to mid 30s, and it is a time, I think, where you tend to stop, take a breath and assess and take stock of where your life is and where your career is. And that's where I started thinking of, okay, is there all it is? And actually, it's around that time that I discovered your podcast and I started listening to it and I was binging on it. You know, I couldn't get enough because I was getting all these stories of people who were in the same shoes as me and it was very, very helpful and I think it was actually quite inspiring and motivational for me to actually take the leap and start looking into what it is that I wanted to do going forward.
1: You mentioned the word meant to be earlier when you were describing what are you meant to be doing, which I always think is a really interesting topic. What should we be doing versus what are we meant to be doing versus what do we want to be doing? How did you figure out where you were meant to be?
0: I try to figure out what was important to me. So what drove me? I think it's misleading to think, you know, do what you love. I think it needs to be a little bit more granular than that. So once you figure out what drives you, for some people it's money, for some people it's power, for some people it's purpose. Whatever it is, you need to figure out what makes you tick and what makes you get up in the morning By thinking that, I sort of realized that for me, purpose was very important and what I associate myself with and the why is very important. So I started thinking about that and what I'd been interested in and also trying not to start over as such, but try to combine. Was there any way that I could combine my interest in fashion with what I had already done and the person that I had become by that stage? I didn't go on this big job hunt. I actually focused, honed in on this one company that I work for now, the business of fashion. I was spending my entire free time either reading their content or listening to their podcasts and really, really enjoying what they were putting out there into the world. And they really opened my eyes into some of the issues in the world of fashion that I'd never even considered. By figuring out what was important to me, And by figuring out what I was doing in my spare time that didn't feel like work, that's how I eventually landed at the conclusion.
1: I think you mentioned before when we spoke, it took six months for you to actually land the role that you wanted. And persistence is something we talk a lot about on this show. And I think it's especially relevant right now. What were the steps that you took during this time to stay on the radar of the eventual employer that you ended up working for?
0: One of the running jokes at our company is that I employed myself, essentially, because I I applied for a job and I wasn't really qualified to do the job that was going at the time. And I thought, you know what, I'm never going to get this. So I wrote a letter to the CEO explaining all the reasons why I was wrong, but all the reasons why I should be hired and why I should be in the company. And... I heard somewhere that in this day and age you sign an envelope by hand people will always open it because how often do you get an envelope that is signed by hand and that's exactly what I did anyway so that led to them reaching out and I went for a coffee with our head of people and sort of just stayed in touch and I I said to her would you mind if I checked in with you every every other month and eventually 6 months later a job came up And I applied, I still had to go through the whole process, the application process, but eventually it paid off. The important lesson here is that building relationships takes time. Sometimes you need to go in to it without the certainty that there will be something at the end.
1: It sounds like this ended up working out. You end up working for the business of fashion and we're almost to the present day now you mentioned when we spoke before that at this moment when you're in London and you're you're working at the business of fashion and you're in the industry and the sector that you want to be in, your life was exactly how you wanted it. And yet you ended up deciding to move to Sydney. Could you just explain what prompted you to return to Sydney and what was happening for you at that time with your life in London?
0: Life happens when you're busy making plans. I was at a point where Everything was going great. And I said, look, looking at my life thinking, finally, yes, this is my perfectly designed life. This is where I want to be. And then I reconnected with an ex-boyfriend of mine who is based out of Sydney for a number of reasons. He's not able to move back to London. So I was faced with a question of choice and choosing. And at the time, I sort of looked at it as choosing between a man and a job, and that was very daunting. For me, looking back at it now, I don't think it was the right way of looking at it. And my inner feminist felt very guilty because I I thought, well, I worked so hard to get this job. I worked so hard to build this life. What am I doing? Can I actually leave all of this behind and choose this other path? And that was very difficult. That was a tough choice because it's sort of two things that you don't necessarily want to be choosing between.
1: And you ultimately did decide to move to Sydney. And, and I can just imagine how how tough that decision was, because I've been in a very similar situation myself, as you know, before I moved to London. How did you envision things going, and what were your plans when you decided to move to Sydney?
0: I realized that I was not defined by my job or by the company that I work for or even the country that I live in, that I have a choice of how to define myself. And I sort of hold the narrative around that. And that was very powerful for me because it wasn't that by choosing Sydney, I was giving up on something. I then chose to look at it as an opportunity to potentially reinvent myself yet again, You know, roll the dice, go on an adventure, do something different. And that's how I dealt with that. So that was my thinking. I wanted to keep an open mind, see what's out there. I know that the industry is very different. The fashion industry is a lot smaller. The media landscape is very different here in Australia. So I really sort of want to just get in touch with as many people as possible, have a chat and see where I land. After having done all of that thinking and all of that evaluating, I guess, by the time I landed here, I was actually feeling very positive and very open-minded.
1: And that was at the beginning of 2020. Exactly. So you're going to networking events, you're feeling quite positive about how things can shape up there, and then coronavirus hits. I recall you mentioning before that you, you actually had already put in your notice with your current company at the time, where the notice period was coming to an end in March.
0: Basically, I was meant to do my three months with BOF and finish off here. And hopefully that within three months I was able to find a job. And I felt like I really started making progress. I Through my networking events, I got in touch with an executive coach who very kindly decided to take me on as a pro bono case. And mentor me through my transition here because she's been through very similar experiences to me and that has been great because it it taught me that you don't have to do it on your own and if you surround yourself with the right support network and with people who believe in you and support you that can actually be quite powerful and then corona hit and everything came to a halt the whole world stopped and definitely all the conversations we've had were put on freeze indefinitely at this point
1: So this is the last thing, Leah, that I'm hoping to talk with you about before we wrap up with what some of the things are that you're doing at this moment. How are you dealing with the lack of clarity and the free fall that people feel that they're in when they suddenly have the rug pulled out from under them for reasons completely outside of their control? How are you dealing with this?
0: You have to adapt. There's no point in sitting there and thinking, wouldn't it be great if and only if? That's not how it works. In any adversity, there can always be opportunity, but you really need to work hard to go and find it. And I started to try and see the positives, if there were any of this situation. And letting go of control, I think that that freefall that you mentioned can be actually incredibly liberating because all of a sudden, the boundaries have been lifted and you know when people say if the world was to end tomorrow, what would you do? Well, now you get the opportunity. The world is not ending, but the world has stopped. So what are you doing? And if you could do anything, what would it be? It allows us to get creative and to fathom opportunities outside of what we're doing now. So I think it's a great time to reset, rethink, and to create, not just in a literal creative way, but just you know, take some time the other thing that was interesting is that i guess it's an incredible learning experience as well looking at how the businesses are reacting how people are reacting what they're doing how they're pivoting how they're adapting first and foremost this is obviously a human tragedy and it's very very sad but there's the scope of this problem is huge and for me i sort of try to get the most out of living at this time and and living through it and taking away some important lessons of how to manage businesses and how to manage your own life and your own mental health.
1: You mentioned earlier that we're all so achievement focused and how that can actually blind us to what really matters. And I really feel like this is a moment, as you mentioned earlier, when we're almost all forced to think about what really matters. Have you had a moment to give that any thought
0: the one big takeaway is that what really matters is health and your family and the well-being of people around you and that is you know number one priority there's a lot of fear out there in the world and fear initially when you think of fear you think it's a negative sentiment and negative feeling but actually Fear can be good as well. And it can be by overcoming fear, it gives you uh, resilience, it creates bravery. And, you know, whether it's fear of death or fear for your health, fear for your job security, all that eventually, when you overcome it, makes you more resilient.
1: Definitely. Well, I would love to wrap up, Leah, by talking a little bit more about how you are managing some of your own thoughts and I know that one of the things that you're doing right now is you're doing a lot more writing these days on LinkedIn. Can you just tell me a little bit more about what you're writing about?
0: I've taken this opportunity to sort of focus on building out my personal brand a little bit because I don't know where my career will go and how it will progress. So one of the things that I thought would be good is to write a little bit about my experience. And obviously a lot of people out there have gone into the world of working from home or smart working, and it's very new to them. But I have been doing this for the last three months, and I realised that actually perhaps I had something to share that could be useful for people. So I sat down and started writing down my thoughts and my experience about spending 3 months being so far away from my team and working remotely and what that has been like and then i sort of tried to put down some tips and observations of this new world of remote i guess time i think is one of the most precious resources and interestingly around this crisis people have time and people are willing to talk and people are willing to connect and everyone's very open so that's one of the things i've noticed and i've been trying to do from from my end with respect to my career development, I guess.
1: That's fantastic. We'll definitely include a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. One other thing that I think you mentioned to me before was that the business of fashion also has some events that could be relevant to people right now. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
0: One of the things that Business of Fashion does outside of editorial and sort of news coverage of the business side of the fashion industry is actually events. And as you can imagine, running events in this current climate is impossible. So we have moved and tried to pivot as much as possible into the digital space. And we are running a number of live events where They cover sort of anything from wellness to industry talks to career-related talks. Most of them are actually free, so you don't have to be a subscriber. I've been following all of them myself as well, because it's great to just connect with other people to talk about things and to realize that we're all in this together. And we also have a number of short online courses on not only fashion, but also things like Building Your Career, uh, which is probably one of my favorite courses that we've done. And it's run by Musa Tarek, who's the Global Head of Marketing for Airbnb Experiences. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage everyone to come check us out. Um, As you probably guessed from this podcast, I'm very passionate about what Business of Fashion does. So check us out at businessoffashion.com and attend some of our live events.
1: I'm definitely going to do that. I've also noticed that there's been a major uptick in online virtual activities, which is actually quite convenient right now because, I mean, there were some in the past, but there's a lot more of those now. So it's a really convenient way to gain access to and also connect with people you might not have otherwise been able to connect with. So thanks for sharing that. And thanks so much, Leah, for telling us more about your life first of all, as a financial controller, but also how you've managed all the various leaps you've taken in life into and out of fashion and then back into it. And most importantly, the importance of resilience and overcoming your fears during this time of so much uncertainty in the world. So please stay safe. And I hope things eventually work out for you once things get back to normal. Thanks for being here today.
0: Thank you so much, Joseph.
1: So I hope you heard some useful insights from Leah about managing uncertainty, weathering an unexpected turn in your career, and making the most of a difficult situation. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to talk about waiting for things to get better or taking action now. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today, and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. So for today's Mental Fuel, I want to share a quick update on what's happened in my own life and career since the pandemic hit. Then I'll revisit one of the topics Leah mentioned about figuring out exactly when and if to make your next career move in the middle of all this upheaval. Now, if you're a longtime listener to Career Relaunch, you may know that the last episode I aired was way back in December 2019. And I mentioned to you at the time that I'd be taking a bit of a break from the podcast which I did, so I could start working on my new book about navigating career change, which I was. From January through to about the first week of March, I learned as much as I could about writing a book, drafted my book's structure, and even went to a book publishing workshop in London on March 10th, which ended up being the last time I was in London. The next morning, I cancelled all my March travel plans, including trips to Brussels and Istanbul, and Barcelona and Paris, where I was scheduled to speak later in the month. I haven't left our area since, and I haven't left our house in five weeks. A few weeks ago, I, like a lot of people I know, at least outside of Asia, didn't really think much of the coronavirus because it started on the other side of the world for me, but I was paying attention to it. When the first cases emerged in China in January, my mother actually happened to be in Taiwan at the time visiting my grandmother. And in February, way before this turned into a global epidemic, I remember calling my mom when she was flying out of the airport in Taipei and she was describing the chaotic scene there. And it started to slowly dawn on me that this was becoming something bigger. But to be honest, I never imagined this coronavirus would become the global pandemic it is today. Next thing I know, we're in a lockdown here in the UK. Our neighbor next door tells us she's come down with COVID-19. And by the latest count as of this recording, there have been 2.4 million coronavirus cases worldwide and over 160,000 deaths. We pulled our two-and-a-half-year-old daughter out of nursery in early March so she could be at home with us full-time. For the last six weeks, my wife and I have been tag-teaming, looking after her while also trying to keep things going with our full-time jobs, both now working from home. I've found it challenging, jumping on a serious call with a client one minute, then reading Cat in the Hat while pretending to be a monkey the next. But overall, I feel really fortunate we have this option to be at home together and to work from home, and I'm very aware any stress I'm feeling is nothing compared to the sacrifices people like healthcare workers, delivery drivers, or grocery clerks are making on the front lines to keep our societies afloat and safe. My own work has had to evolve, definitely not in any sort of life-altering way, My goal was to start pitching my book to publishers and agents this month, but I decided to table all the work on my book in the last month, A, because I just didn't feel right at this moment in time to be pitching to people, and B, because I've just had a lot less time to focus on my work now that our daughter's at home with us full-time. All of my in-person workshops and talks have been canceled, so I quickly pivoted to hosting online webinars instead for my business school clients. I've hosted plenty of webinars before, but I've now invested into some additional business tools and physical equipment to improve my virtual office setup for what looks like a world where I and a lot of people are going to be doing a lot more remote work much more often. In the big scheme of things, we're doing fine, our daughter seems very happy, and we're healthy at this moment. And if there's been a silver lining for me, the extra family time has actually been really nice. So that's me. Now over to you. During the past few weeks in connecting with colleagues, clients, friends, and family in places around the world like Taiwan, Singapore, Canada, India, the Philippines, Spain, Belgium, Italy, France, the U.S., and of course the U.K., I haven't come across a single person who's not experiencing some sort of upheaval in their career and their life in the face of this pandemic. So when it comes to your career, if you're someone who's had a job offer rescinded or a big project canceled, or if the plans you had for your career this year have been upended, one consistent question I've gotten from clients or people in my webinars has been whether to just wait until this whole pandemic blows over before returning to your original career ambitions or just going ahead and taking action right now that might mean still working toward the same goal or it could mean resorting to a plan b or c or d doing work that wasn't exactly what you had in mind back at the start of this new year and new decade The reality is that this sort of choice of whether to wait or proceed with your plans really does depend on your individual circumstances and the pressures you're facing. But I do have three thoughts on this topic, each of which I'm honestly still sorting through myself, but I hope can help you sort through what to do next in your situation. I think the first step in figuring out how best to proceed is to accept that things have really changed. If you can just imagine for a moment what you were focused on just two months ago. The COVID-19 pandemic really has been one of those world-altering events where things really will be very different from here on out and likely will never again be the same. Accepting that your world has irreversibly changed is important because it's the first step toward accepting that you have to adapt. Second, it may be time to just let go of something. Maybe not forever, but at least for the time being. And I'm not talking about completely giving up on your career dreams or something in your life that's important to you. I'm just talking about tabling it for a while so you can make space for something that may serve your career more effectively during this specific moment in time. And third once you've opened up some space to act now on an idea you believe could be or still is worth pursuing to not wait until things blow over to see how far you can get with it in the meantime because nobody really knows how long this is going to last and instead of waiting you may have to be ruthlessly practical and just make the best out of the current situation until things get to a place where you can return to your original goals. I've been trying to do this myself. Did I want to work on this book this spring? Yeah. Did I feel like this would be an optimal time to do it? Well, at least a few weeks ago, absolutely. But I've just had to let it go for a while because something had to go. Which has actually allowed me to focus on building some online content that I genuinely feel can help others and can also be a good way to diversify my own services, which in the long run is probably a good thing in a world where a lot of things will be run more virtually. What's something you could still be working on in spite of or even because of this pandemic? Although this is definitely a difficult time, my hope is that we can all come out of this a bit more resilient, resourceful, and maybe even appreciative of the new perspectives we've gained on what truly matters. This takes me to a quote from Andrew Sullivan, who wrote a really thoughtful piece about the pandemic in The Intelligencer earlier this month, entitled How to Live with COVID-19. The goal is not to beat the virus, because it can't be beaten Now that it's a pandemic, it's here to stay. The goal is not to fight it or wage war on it. The goal is to find the optimal path to living with it. So my challenge to you, as you think about your optimal path to living with this pandemic, is to decide on something in your career or life to let go of, at least for the time being. You can absolutely come back to it later, But I'd like you to consider loosening your grip on what you had expected to do and focus instead on what you may have to do at this moment, given the unprecedented times we're in, and to try to embrace it, because maybe in the long run, something I'm telling myself at least, we're all going to come out of this having reinforced and fortified the aspects of our careers and lives that truly matter most. If there's something specific you're struggling with in your career during this pandemic and you're not sure where to turn, feel free to drop me a note anytime at joseph at and I'll try to point you in the right direction. I've also compiled a list of helpful career resources, including hiring trends, job search guidance, tips on virtual interviewing, and useful tools to keep in mind during this pandemic at careerrelaunch.net/slash 70, where you can also find highlights from my chat today with Leah. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net/slash 70. Like I said before, I'm going to try to put out episodes whenever I can, so please stay subscribed to this podcast, and this way you can be the first to get those episodes when they come out. Having you as a listener is something that actually helps me keep going at times like this too. Thanks so much for listening to Career Relaunch, and a very special thanks to Leah Dashkina, for taking the time to share her career story with us today from sydney australia this episode was mixed by richard pennington electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song i'm joseph Liu. i hope you remain safe and healthy during these difficult times be sure to thank those people out there in your community who are helping you stay afloat and i'll look forward to talking with you next time